This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Traditionally, we, we talk about and look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the life-changing power of that event that took place in human history and has changed all our lives. But sometimes, you know, we, we look at it, you know, from an Easter event or a historical event or even a theological event, but we're continuing this series because God has called us to live in resurrection power. Ephesians 2, 6 tells us this. It says that, that along with Jesus Christ, we, meaning you and I, believers, we were raised up together with Him. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead has raised you from the dead. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, he didn't say, you know, he said, I want to know him and then, you know, and, and deep theological understanding and I want to know all wisdom and I want to have all the gifts of the Spirit. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And he wrote to the Philippians and he said, it is the power of the resurrection. It is God who is at work in you. Both the will and to do of His good pleasure. So the power, God's, the power of resurrection should be a living, ongoing reality, not just an Easter thing. And God wants it to transform our lives. We've talked about uh, God's resurrection power in relation to our hopes and our dreams. And today we're going to talk about God's resurrection power in relation to our families. God's interested in families, isn't He? One of the first, the first social group God made was a family, wasn't it? And it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I know that's not popular today, but you know, God didn't call us to be popular, did he? So God made a family and he put us in a family unit. And not only that, but God's spiritual family, the church, we're in that family as well. God wants the resurrection, His resurrection power to be at work in every aspect of our lives. Let's don't just, listen, you don't have a church life and then you got a, your work life and then you got your family life. And then you, no, what, that's all that compartmental. No, you have a life as a believer and that whole life is centered around Jesus Christ and then out from that, everything is influenced. How, my attitudes how I live my life, my values, how I use my money, all of those things. So we don't, you know, we want to, sometimes we want to just kind of pigeonhole and compartmentalize and say, well, you know, now that, you know, because I've talked to some businessmen, well, now, pastor, that's, that's good for, you know, in, in, for my church life and at church time, but now I'm, I'm a businessman in the real world. Well, I, when I look at the pages of this book in the Bible, I don't see where Jesus was in the synagogue every day of the week. He was out there where the nitty-gritty was going on, what, didn't he? He was out there where people were paying their taxes and trying to make a living. And, you know, he come across people that, you know, I mean, commercial fishermen that hadn't caught anything. And, I mean, you know, if you don't catch anything, you don't eat anything. If you don't catch anything, you don't sell no fish in the market. You don't have no money to take home to mama. These were real people. They faced issues in their life. They faced health issues. They faced financial issues. They faced all kinds of things. But the resurrection power of Jesus, when it came into a life, into a circumstance, into a situation where people would just believe. Something happened. So let's look at it today. Resurrecting our family. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And I, I, I kind of want to introduce this by uh, relating it to uh, our starting point, some needed home improvements. How many of you live in a house or an apartment or something? I hope you do. Has it ever needed improvements? You know, sometimes. You know, even, even a new house doesn't stay new forever, does it? We live in that situation. You buy a new car, you buy a new house, or you move into something new, even if it's new. And certainly as it gets some years on it, it takes even more attention, doesn't it? 
The older it gets, right there in that, right, Chris? What's your, the house you're living in is what, almost 100 years? No, it is 100 years. 18 what? 1894. So it takes, it takes some TLC, doesn't it? <laughs> but, you know, some of these things, you know, I, I thought about this. It, it's some needed home improvements. And, and we're talking about our family unit. You know, sometimes you can get a leaky roof in your house. And when that happens, it's not good. I know we, we, you know, we bought this building and, and, and we're still working on it. But it's got a lot better, but we're not quite there yet. But, boy, when we first moved in here, there were some really good leaks. Man, I'm telling you, everywhere you look, we had a bucket. Because a leaky roof will allow the outside elements to come in. Isn't that true? And the same thing is true about our life and our families. If, if, if we have a leaky roof, so to speak, in our family uh, unit, then it can allow the elements and the environs of the world to come in and begin to influence us. And so all of a sudden, we're not, even though we're Christians, we're not living from a Christian worldview. We're not living out Christian values. We're not demonstrating them and teaching them to our kids. And I'm going to tell you what, if we don't do it, I'm going to tell you what, the world's not going to. The world's, I'm talking about the world system. I'm not talking about the trees and the flowers. When the Bible talks about love not the world, it's talking about cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S in the Greek there, and it means this world's system, the political systems, the economic systems, the value systems outside of the body of Christ, that's the world it's talking about. And that world has an influence. The Bible says that the whole world outside of the body of Christ, outside of God's kingdom, lies under the influence of the evil one, meaning the devil. And it's relativistic in its morals, in its values. It's shifting in that, just like it's shifting in, you know, uh, 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 your, your uh, uh, the, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? You don't know. I don't either. Well, just like in our fashions, for example. You know, I've lived long enough now. I've seen, you know, uh, things that I grew up with in the 50s and 60s. Now they've come back again. You know, and young people think, oh, this is new. This is cool. We're thinking, no, this, we've already seen this recycled. So, you know, just like that, it's shifting. It's changing, isn't it? Uh, you know, the furniture styles, we chuckle, we go, you know, Cindy and I like to go, and we walk around somewhere, you know, home goods or somewhere like that, and we look and we think, man, I remember, that's, I remember having a chair like that in the 60s. I remember having a lamp like that in the 70s. The world is constantly changing, but, you know, with its changing, it's really nothing new. And, you know, the world is offering to our young people, and to us too, but it's offering to us an alternative and, you know, we're living in a time when the world system is trying to do its best to crowd out any influence of God in our schools, in our institutions. I mean, you know, a guy can run buck naked and that's okay, but let somebody, you know, get up and, you know, and say the Lord's Prayer and boy, I'm telling you, they're ready to run him out of town. I know that's an extreme, but you know what I mean. It's, that's the way the values of the world is. But see, if we don't do something about that, if we don't, in our homes, you know, repair our roof, so to speak, and provide an umbrella of protection for our families, those values begin to come in. And all of a sudden, we begin to think, well, this is okay. Or if, or if I have a Christian worldview, but, uh, you know, you're narrow-minded, well, I'm going to be just as narrow-minded as God is. God, when it comes to righteousness and truth, God is narrow-minded. When it comes to loving people, God is liberal. Are you listening? He loves everybody, even the sinner, even the one that's not living right, even the one that's living in sin. He's liberal in love, but I want to tell you what, He's narrow in righteousness. Because Jesus said, broad is the way... What? Isn't that right? <laughs> Wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow, hello, narrow is the gate, the door, and narrow is the way that leads to what? Eternal life. 
And so we need to be careful because the values of the world begin to creep in. And that's our responsibility, mom and dad. It's our responsibility to protect our children, to protect our homes. We protect it with truth. We protect it with our prayers. We protect it with obedience. But we make sure our roof is not leaky so that the values of the world come in. Amen. Look in Galatians real quick over there. Galatians 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm going to read it if you don't or if you've got your Bible out there. You can read it on that. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, he said, Paul's writing to the Galatians. Now, the Galatians were struggling with this very thing, that after they'd received the truth, there were all these other people coming in and bringing in and wanting to add all this other stuff that you need. And he said, so also when we were under age or we were children, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. That influence of the values that we see in our culture that are contrary to God, those elemental forces are seeking to shape our thinking, to shape our believing. They want to undermine the truth of God's Word and our value system in the kingdom of God. And And if we are not diligent, they can creep in. The next thing you know, we, we, we compromise. See, I'm not talking about trying to be legalistic. That's the extreme on the other side. But also, you know, just because we love people doesn't mean that we agree with everything they say and do. Amen? Listen, we please God first, and everybody else is second on down the line. Isn't that right? And so the kingdom of God, and here's the thing, we know this, God's truth and God's righteousness and God's will for our lives is the highest good. It's not hard. The Apostle John talks about that in his epistle. He said, he said we keep God's commandments and His commandments, they're not grievous, they're not hard, they're not bad, they're good for us. Amen? That's like getting out on the road and you see that yellow line down the middle and you say, well, I'm going to tell you what. They're cramping my style. I'm going to get over here in this left lane. I don't care what that yellow line says. Well, you ain't going to live long. And the problem is you're going to hurt somebody else too. Well, the same thing's true. When we violate God's truth and God's values and we allow that to come in, we may feel like we're all free and all of this, but I want to tell you the end of it is going to be you're going to have a train wreck. You're going to have a car wreck in your life. We have to protect one another from that. Amen? Sure. Look in 1 John real quickly. I alluded to that, but let's read it. 1 John chapter 2. Let's look down to about verse 15. Do not love the world. Now, again, that means the world system. You know, let me just get on this. I'm get on my hobby horse here, and I'm probably going to rub the fur the wrong way somewhere in here. Listen. I don't care whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're Independent, whether you're whatever. I, I, that, that is a man's system. And for the body of Christ to be split because of that is a shame. Are you listening? You know, but that said, you know, I, God didn't call us to create a Christian government. Find that over there in the Scriptures. I can't find it. Anywhere. He said, pray for your leaders. Do you know when the Christian church began, there was a a totalitarian system it operated on called the Roman Empire. They fed Christians to the lions. We got it pretty, pretty easy, don't we? Paul just said, pray. He said, pray for them. Pray for him. He didn't say, you know, we're going to get out here and, you know, we're going to make sure that every senator, every governor, every mayor is a Christian. Well, good luck with that. You know what I want? I want competent people. 
I want honest people. And if there are people that are Christians that want to run and want to get in, I'm all in favor of that. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not my agenda. I'm I'm not here to shape the political landscape of a nation. That's not what God called us to do. He called us to be salt and light. He said, start with your own homes. Start with your own family. You change the hearts of men, you'll change a nation. Well, excuse me for getting on my hobby horse. I apologize. Sometimes, you know. But he said, don't love the world. Listen, the political systems, whatever they are, they're of the world. We get good people in them and they they can help. But, you know, the system itself is of the world. I remember when I was uh, in college a long time ago. And, uh, you know, those of you who know my testimony, I was, at that time, I was planning to be an attorney. I wanted to be a lawyer. I was going to, that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, I, I, I was majoring in political science and economics. And, you know, I remember I had a, one professor in one of our political science uh, classes, you know, and, you know, of course, we're all green as onions and we're all idealistic, you know, we're going to, man, we're going to change it. And uh, he said, you know what, the first thing a politician does that, when, he's, when they've been elected into office, man, we're all like, well, he's going you know, to pass some great laws, and he's going he's to get on a committee there, and he's going to help change things and all that. He said, nah. He said, the first thing they do is start working on their reelection. That's the political system. That's the political system. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, that's a downer. But listen, don't put your trust in the world system. Pray for them. Vote, be a good citizen, but don't put your trust there. He said, do not love the world or anything in the world. World system. Now, he's not talking about the plants and the birds. He's talking about the world system. Amen. If anyone loves the world system, love for the Father is not in them. This is, we need to teach our kids this, that we're going to love God first. God's first in our lives. God's first in our family. We put God's will and God's purpose first. That's fine. You want to go into government? Wonderful. I believe God calls people there. But I want to tell you what, put God first in it. He said, for everything in the world system is based on the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, let's face it, our whole economic system's based on that. I mean, look at all these ads, and they always got these beautiful women on them. And it has nothing to do with what they're selling. It has everything to do with what he just talked about here. Or they show you that, that beautiful new automobile. Oh, man, all that leather and all that chrome and, man, those good-looking wheels on that thing. And it's got the latest technology. I mean, man, you can Bluetooth it, man. You go down the road, you can, oh, it's great. Got TVs in the back for the kids. And it can be yours for 99 payments. But that's the way it does. Why do you think styles change all the time? Yeah, you're, that sofa you got is perfectly good, but they change the style. Why? Because that tells you, boy, you out, you're not in step. What's wrong with you? Something's wrong with you. And see, we, those values get on our kids, and we think, they think they got to do it. And see, you know, the devil wants you to get in debt up to your eyeballs. Because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and all those things. And they don't make you happy. Okay, i got to move on. Leaky roof. Don't let the elements, don't let the values of this world get into your family, get into your life. Crack foundation. Boy, you ever seen a crack foundation? Boy, around Montgomery. Anybody got a house where the prairie mud is? We owned a house one time where the prairie mud was. I mean, man, that driveway was bucked up. I mean, part of it was up here and part of it was down there. You go into it and you see the crack, you know, in the wall. where, You know, if you got a crack foundation, that's not a good thing, is it? You know, foundation, you know, it's not something that we look at and say, oh, look at that beautiful foundation. That's not, I mean, when you go to buy a house or look at somebody's house, you're not going, wow, 
I noticed what a great foundation you had when I came in. No, man, we're, we're, we're looking at the style. We're looking at the lights. We're looking at the floors and the rugs and the appliances. And uh, we're looking at all the bling. That's what the world says. It's all about the bling, man. Just You got plenty of bling? I mean, we're not going to fool with that foundation stuff, man. That's, you don't even see that. But it's where your communications break down and negatively, negatively affect your relationships. Amen? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about the power of resurrection in our families. You know, sometimes our family needs the resurrection power of Jesus released in it. You know, we, we, listen, this is a living thing. Christ in you, the resurrection power in you, the greater one in you. All of that is speaking of what? The resurrection power of Jesus living, working, seeking to give expression into our lives and through our lives, including our families. Some Christians, you know, they get saved and that's as far as the resurrection power. They ever let it go in their lives. Then they live their life just like everybody else. With the same values as the world system has, the same belief values, the same trust, you know, it's, all they've got is a good insurance policy for when they die. Listen, God wants you to have a life that's bigger than that, more influential than that. Amen? Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. What's going on in your family? Well, I'll tell you, Pastor. I don't dip or smoke or cuss or kick the cat. Well, good for you. But you know what? There's a whole lot of unwholesome talk that can come out of your mouth that has nothing to do with cussing and dipping and kicking the cat. We speak words that belittle people. We speak words that tell people they have no value or little value. We speak words of, of fear and doubt. We tell people they're no good. You let your temper get the best of you. Let's go on and look at this. <laughs> let no unwholesome talk come out of your But only what is helpful built for building others up according to their needs. How many times do we let this slip below our knows there get in motion because of something we need or we feel I feel slighted I feel neglected I feel uh, you know like you know they didn't treat me right so man here I go I'm gonna let you have a piece of my mind like one man said some of us don't have any pieces to spare he said, let the words that come out of our mouth, let's, let it be wholesome. Don't criticize. They don't need your criticism. They need your encouragement. They need your instruction. They need your exhortation. They need your help. Let words minister to those around us. And listen, especially husband and wives, I'm talking to you. Man, sometimes you can go into a, a home and you could just about cut the strife. It's so thick. Done gone to meddling now, hasn't it? He said that it may benefit those who listen. Before you speak, ask yourself, is this going to benefit them? Or is it benefiting you? You're justifying yourself. You little old martyr, you. <laughs> you have it so rough living with that person. But see, if you're not part of the solution, you'll end up being part of the problem. Through the benefit of their needs, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Notice what he says here. The way we communicate to one another in our families, husband and wife, to our kids and in the family of God, it can grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, I sure wish the Holy Spirit would move, you know, like we read about in the Bible or like we hear about here or like we hear about there. I wish the Holy Spirit would move on my kids. 
Well, it may be that you're grieving the Holy Spirit because of what? Of your attitude and the way you communicate to Him. The Bible says, speaking to fathers, He said, don't, don't frustrate your children. You grieve in the Holy Spirit. You know, I've said this before. You know, you couldn't come up to me and say, Pastor, boy, I really like you. I think you're the greatest, but I cannot stand your wife. You think that's going to go over with me? You think I'm going to be happy because you told me that you really liked me and you loved me, but you... Well, how do you think God feels? Oh, God, I love you. Hallelujah. You're wonderful. You're great. You're wonderful. On top of your husband or your wife. That's God's daughter. That's God's son. That's God's child. Why are you talking like that? And then you're going to tell Papa that you love him. It ain't going to fly. The Apostle John put it this way. He said, how can you say that you love God, the Father, whom you've never seen, when you can't love your brother or sister whom you have seen? Don't go kidding yourself because you're not kidding God. He said, don't, he said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. He said, get rid of it. He didn't say, oh, God, get rid of it for me. He said, you get rid of it. I've never had God come down and take the garbage out at my house. Have you? I mean, I, you know, I just let that thing overflow and overflow. Well, God, I'm just believing you, you know, send it out. You know, come down and take this garbage out. Sure, it's starting to smell over here. No, I'm telling you what, you know, that's my job at the house. Man, when that garbage can gets full, I take the garbage out. In each of our lives, we have a responsibility. And I want to tell you something. This kind of junk, it's just pure garbage. And, you know, sometimes, every now and then, we just need to take the garbage out. Take my own garbage out. Stop telling everybody else about it. They need to take their garbage out. Let's take our own out. Boy, this is good preaching. I don't care what she said. <laughs> This is down where we live, isn't it? Now, notice what he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another. How many of you know what kindness is like? Anybody don't know what kindness is like? I'll help you out. Okay? That means being gentle. That means being generous with your words, with your praise, with your love, with your forgiveness. I mean, that's treating other people the way you'd like to be treated. Be kind. Can you imagine? I think we could use a whole lot of this permeating our culture right now, don't you? We need some kindness. Oh, my gosh. Out there in the world's value system and the world culture is so divided. It's so harsh. It's so mean-spirited. It's so ugly. It's so... It's ter- it, can I get a witness, somebody? Y'all living somewhere I'm not living. But at least, listen, in our homes, let us, let's let it, there be some heaven in our home. Let's, surely in the family of God, we can let there be some heavenly healing here, some kindness, some compassion. We're talking about cracked foundations. And if you got this stuff going on in your relationships at home and your family, listen, your foundation's in trouble. But the good news is you can help it. The resurrection power of Jesus can come in. And it might start with what I said a minute ago. Each of us just taking and being responsible for our own garbage. I ain't worried about whether, you know, Chris is taking his garbage out or Ed's taking his garbage out. You know, I need to just be focused on Narcissus' little old garbage. Amen. And then rotten wood. Man, you get some rotten wood, that's not good. Isn't that right? Rotten wood tends to have bugs in it. All that kind of stuff. And rotten wood's like selfish attitudes and motives that undermine the family structures. You know? Where mom and dad live for themselves instead of for the, each other and for their kids. Instead of living for God, I'm living for myself. It's all about me, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. 
Isn't that right? You're right there. Turn back over to Galatians. You were just there. Hang a left. Galatians 5. Notice what he says here. Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Oh, boy, we like that one, don't we? Woo-hoo. Preach it, Pastor. Called to be free. Amen. I'm going to be free of him. I'm going to be free of her. I'm called to be free. I'm called to be me. <laughs> called to be free. But now notice, he didn't stop there, did he? But, everybody say but. but. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Uh-oh. Or I just feel like, what's that based in? Well, I just tell you, I don't want to flesh. He said, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Are you serving one another in your home? I'll tell you, Pastor, you need to just talk to my wife. She just ain't serving me enough. She ain't taking care of me like she ought to at the house. I don't say it, but I think it sometimes. Well, I don't blame her. If I was living with you, I might. (laughs) But here's the thing. We need to what? We know that that attitude can be the same either way, isn't it? And he didn't say, if your spouse or if your kids, if they do everything just right, then you live this way. No, he said, use your freedom in Christ, what? To serve one another. That means your husband, your wife, your kids, your (laughs) mother-in-law. See, we think, boy, if I prophesy, I'm really spiritual. No, love that mother-in-law. We'll find out how spiritual you are. <laughs> You're on the meddling again, Hannah. So we, we want to serve one another. And listen, in the home, it's easy to, listen, sometimes I, I, it's easy. It's easy to get a rotten attitude sometimes, isn't it? Now, I know some of you holy saints, you never had one. But the rest of us regular people, we have to deal with this sometimes. You get an attitude. You know, I'm tired of serving. I'm looking for somebody to serve me. (laughs) Take out the garbage. Some breaking points real quickly because my time's running out. Some breaking points in the family. And some of these I've alluded to, but selfishness. My needs above my family's. You know, selfishness. We're always thinking about ourselves. How I feel, what I need, what I want, what I don't have, what I ought to have. How are the people ought to be treating me? I mean, you need to get over yourself a little bit, sounds like to me. You ought to start thinking about God and His resurrection power at work in you. The grace of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God upon you. And how all that you've received can benefit those you call to serve. And get God and them on your mind and you off your mind. I don't know about you, but the more I look at myself, the less I like it. But the more I look at Jesus, the better I like it. Because when I look at Him, there's no flaws. When I look at myself long enough, ooh. I know for all you perfect ones, you don't understand that. But for the rest of us, that's the way it is. Selfishness, it, it absolutely will destroy a marriage. It will destroy a home. It'll destroy a church. We start getting selfish. It's all about me. Isolation. Withdrawn and uncommunicative. You know, somebody does something I don't like, you know, and get all blowered up like a big old toad. <laughs> Go over there and get in your man cave or your she shed or whatever you got. <laughs> I ain't talking. Talk to the hand. <laughs> you know. Now I know you're laughing because none of you have ever been there. 
But see, we don't, instead of when there's an issue or a problem or a disagreement coming up, a lot of times, you know, one or both parties, we just will isolate ourselves instead of sitting down and talking like, you know, grown up believers. And don't talk at each other. Don't talk past each other. Don't see who can shout one another down. Don't we have enough of that going on out in the world? It's the reason we can't get anywhere. I'm so important that I don't need to listen to you. You just need to listen to me. Boy, that's egocentric, isn't it? I just don't let that happen. And then here's the other one, woundedness, carrying hurts and unforgiveness. See, sometimes we bring that into a relationship, don't we? And it wasn't even our spouse's fault, but guess who gets to get all the goodies? I'm hurt because, you know, maybe I was hurt growing up in family. Maybe somebody else hurt me, but I'm taking it out on my husband or my wife or my kids. I'm angry. I become abusive. You need healing. Big time. You need to get along with Jesus and get that thing healed. You need to seek. If, you, if, you, if it's too big for you to handle, find somebody else. Find your pastor. Find somebody that you trust spiritually. Get in there, but do something to get some help and get healing. Because if you don't, you are toxic waste dump going to dump somewhere. Isn't that right? You're going to dump all your stuff on other people. You know, and we all know when we get around people who are dealing with woundedness. We're not critical of them. We don't judge them. We're not say they're not good people, but they've got some woundedness. Isn't that right? And so it needs to be healed. And the power of Jesus, resurrection, the power of His Spirit, His grace, His love, and His Word is able to heal you no matter how wounded you've become. You don't have to stay a victim. You might have been a victim, but you don't have to stay a victim. You can become a victor. Amen? Real quickly, some connection points to receive or live or release, however you want to express it, the resurrection. Because, listen, the resurrection power, if you're a believer, the resurrection power of Jesus is living in you. What did he say over there in Romans 8? If the same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. Well, if you're a believer, He is. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's raised you from the dead internally in your spirit, but He doesn't want resurrection to stop there. He said if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will quicken or bring resurrection even to your body. He will bring resurrection to your attitudes. He will bring resurrection to your woundedness. First Corinthians, turn over there real quickly. I've got to hurry up. My time is just about gone. First Corinthians 14. I'm sorry. First Corinthians 12. Well, I'll get it right. 13. Now we go. Split the difference. The love chapter. Verse 4. So how are we going to, what are our connection points for resurrection? The first one's love. We have got to learn to love. And love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is an action. Love is an obedience. Love is following the example of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Listen to this. Love is patient. Moms and dads. Patient with those kids grandkids one another love is kind there's that word kind again it does not envy why should you be envious of someone listen the same God that loves them loves you the same Jesus that died for them died for you the same grace that came to them came to you the same promises that are for them are for you so what have you got to be envious about Amen? We all, we all are possessors freely by grace 
of the same benefits, what's there to be envious about? God doesn't, God's no respecter of persons, so he's not loving them more than me. What have I got to be envious about? It's because what? The values of this world is what we set our eyes on. And, you know, here's the thing. Let's face it. Everybody doesn't have the same amount of stuff, do they? But see, that's not what I place my life about. That's not what gives me value. That's not what uh, gives me uh, hope. That, that's not the basis of my satisfaction is not on who has the most stuff. That's the world's. And so the reason you're unhappy is because that's a value that you've put into your life. But if you put the love of God in your life, that God loves you just the same, just as much, His grace to you is just as great, the power of the resurrection is for you just as much as it was for Peter, James, or John, that all the promises of God are just as much as yours as anybody else's, then there's nothing to be envious about. What's to be envious about? You're driving a Cadillac, and I'm driving a Cadillac. What am I envious about? I got a Savior, you got the same Savior. I've got a Father, Heavenly Father, you got the same Heavenly Father. I've got the promises of God, and so do you. That's where our, that's where our connection is. Not to the values of this world. See, in the world, they think whoever dies with the most toys wins. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard of. Jesus said this a Man or woman's life does not consist in the things which they possess. Talking about material things. Love. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I can forgive, Pastor, but I ain't going to forget. Yeah. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects in your home. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The next one follows on the heels of this. Love is acceptance. See, here's the thing. We Christians need to learn to grow up a little bit. As I said before, when it comes to loving people, God is the most liberal being in the universe. For God so loved the world. That's big. I said, that's big. You ever had, maybe you've had the, 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 uh, the, the benefit of having a, a cross-cultural experience, have you ever maybe lived or at least traveled in another uh, country that the culture was different from yours? They had a different language? The, the way they did things was different? I mean, that's when you find out real quickly, you know, because when you get out of your little comfort zone... And you start getting around people that are different and a culture that's different. And maybe this is different and that's different. I mean, all of a sudden you start feeling, I don't know. It's just, because, see, it's very easy. Just like we can be egocentric, we can be ethnocentric. See, we're just so sure that God has an American flag behind his throne. Come on. (laughs) No, God doesn't have an American flag behind his throne. If you're going to look at it from the natural point of view, I said, well, he he must have a Chinese flag because he made more of them than anybody else. (laughs) No, that's, that's, that's natural thinking, isn't it? God loves everybody equally. But... See, and so we, we accept people. We love people. That doesn't mean we agree. God doesn't agree with the way everybody's living, does he? Certainly not. And so we can love and accept people even though we may disagree with the way they're living. Isn't that right? So we need to do, because if we don't do that, how are we going to reach people? If we put up our little Christian wall there and say, well, I'm tell you what, now, I'm touching me. Might rub off. Well, I thought greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
They need what's in you to rub off on them. But if you don't ever get around them, forgiveness. Forgiveness. We need to learn to forgive everyone for everything all the time. Yeah, I said it. There are no exceptions. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. I know that. You don't know what they said. I know that. But God does. Jesus said this. Now, this I'm going to quote Jesus here. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said, when you stand praying, he said, you better forgive. He said, because if you don't forgive those who trespass against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So, boy, if you're not going to forgive, I hope you're perfect. Because if you're not, you're going to be in a world of hurt. You better not miss it. Not one little bit. I think what I'm going to do, rather than, than risk that standard, is I'm going to forgive. We're talking about our connection points for resurrection. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, and then the last one, servanthood. Galatians 5.13, we've already read that. He said, use your, your liberty, your freedom to serve one another. Boy, I tell you, serving is good for your ego. It will help to kill it. Remember when Jesus took a basin and a towel he put the, wrapped the towel around him and he took the basin and he went from disciple to disciple washing their feet. You know, the disciples understood that because in their culture, that particular job, that task was given to the, the least, the most unimportant on the pecking order in a household it was given to them. It, you couldn't be in. When they saw somebody come by, when people came, you know, to their home, they were going to entertain them and all, one of the first things they would do is they would wash their feet. Well, as soon as you saw the person that came out with that basin and towel, you knew that, I mean, they're in the bottom. And Jesus came out with that, and he began to wash their feet. See, pride tells me somebody else ought to be washing mine. Don't they know who I am? Don't they know? I got more degrees than a thermometer. Don't they know who I am? <laughs> Don't they know how important I am? <laughs> but see, when we learn to serve, we realize, you know, we humble ourselves, don't we? Just like Jesus said, he said, I've done this as an example to you. We're talking about the resurrection power in our families. Let me give you some action points, and then we're going to pray. Does your family need some home improvements? Amen. Man, Cindy loves to watch HGTV. And so guess who else loves to watch it? <laughs> no, I like it pretty good. I do. But, you know, you, you see them on there. You know, they're improve, you know, home improvement things and flipping the houses and all that kind of thing. But, you know, today I want us to think about this. Do... Does your family need some home improvements? Problem with the roof, problem with the foundation, some rotten wood, some attitudes, some stuff that needs to change. Are you carrying hurts and unforgiveness? Yeah, but they really hurt me. Well, I understand that. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any need to forgive. If there was no offense. You don't forgive people. Well, you going to forgive me for breathing the air? I mean... Obviously, I've done something wrong. Otherwise, you, the forgiveness would be irrelevant, wouldn't it? So the third thing I would encourage you to do, put God back as a connection point in your family's life. Here's what I want us to do this morning, okay? If whatever the situation is, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your children, whether it's with communication or whatever, any of the things that we've talked about and you say, you know what? I need to allow the resurrection power of Jesus to come in to our family, to our home, for whatever the reasons are, and you know what, and begin to do some home improvement. 
then we're going to pray for you. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whatever it might be, just stand up right where you are and we're going to pray. Doesn't mean that you're in the wrong. It just if, if there's anything there, might be between children, might be between husband and wife, could be anything between your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever. <laughs> but we're gonna pray. Now here's the thing: we're gonna when we pray, we're going to forgive if we need to forgive. We're gonna give the problem to God, and we're gonna promise God if we there's garbage that needs to be taken out, we're gonna take out our own garbage. We're going to get rid of stinking attitudes. Amen. And I mean, this is before God now, not before me. This is before God. So as I pray here, you pray there and you make your commitment and make your decisions before God in God's presence. Father, right now, throughout this room, Lord, we are making choices. We are making decisions. Lord, we declare that the resurrection power of Jesus will come to bear in our families. Father, in the foundations, in, in, in the values of our families, where there's been breakdown in communication, where there's been animosity and anger, where there's been unforgiveness or hurts or woundedness that we've allowed to remain, we ask you, O oh God, to forgive us. Father, to deliver us. Uh, Father, from the hurts and wounds that have been inflicted on us, and forgive us for those we've inflicted on others in our family, in the family of God perhaps. God, we make the decision today to allow your resurrection power, your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness to come into our lives, to come into our homes, and to begin to transform us as you intended it to be. Thank you, Father. We thank you for it. We release it in the name of Jesus. We release every hurt. We release every person who's offended us. We forgive freely. We forgive them. We're going to show kindness. We get rid of, we put down every negative attitude. We, we get rid of anger. Oh, Father, we get rid of envy. Oh, thank you, Father. We release it. We cast it over on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love. Oh, we're going to be kind. We're going to be patient. We're going to be gentle. Oh, to one another in our homes and in our families. Father, this Mother's Day, what a great day to see healing and the resurrection power of Jesus come to our families and to our homes. Thank you, Father. Father, maybe... Maybe today there's some here, Father, maybe their, their moms or their dads have already gone on to glory. And maybe we're still carrying some hurts from them. We forgive them as well. We release the hurt. We release it. We release it and let it go. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Well, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.